Hello and welcome to another episode of The Thriving Metabolism, where we discuss everything that impacts your hormones and metabolism so that you can take control, repair the damage and lose weight consistently without making yourself miserable in the process. Most weight loss strategies and diets actually do harm to your metabolism, resulting in further weight gain down the road. And it can be a particularly challenging time for women over 40 due to the hormonal and metabolic changes. So it's my mission to empower you so that you and your metabolism thrives and you never have to go through diet misery again. I'm Louise Digby, weight loss expert and founder of the Nourish Method to Lasting Fat Loss, where we've helped hundreds of women every year reignite their spark. As you may know, I talk a lot about how there's more to weight loss than calorie balance and how we need to balance hormones and rebuild metabolism for steady weight loss. But what if once you know what you need to do, you can't do the work? You can't make the changes stick for long enough to see results. This is such a common fear, this lack of self-belief and this fear of failure. And it sucks because if you don't try, you won't succeed. So what's going on here? Why can't we just do what we know we're supposed to do? You know, we're told repeatedly that we just need to eat less and exercise more. And if you keep falling off the wagon, well, you just need to try harder. You know, maybe don't put yourself where temptation lies. Don't go out as much. If you're not feeling hungry, then you're not trying hard enough. And it's such bullshit. You know, I just cringe when I see influencers saying these things when they just have no idea. And when it comes to willpower and staying consistent enough, this really is a combination of issues. There are physiological and physical factors like cravings and hunger. And, you know, these are caused by your blood sugars crashing and deficiencies. And we'll definitely get more into that in another episode. But, you know, there are also the other side of things, which is your mindset and the emotional attachment that we have to food, the relationship that we have with food. Now, some people might be listening who have never heard of the term relationship with food. And sometimes when I'm talking to someone and I say I'm talking about the relationship with food and I say those words, I get strange looks. And, you know, they may be wondering who these people are who are forming relationships with food. However, I'm, of course, not talking about marrying pizza, although if I had to marry one food, it probably would be pizza. No, I'm talking about the emotional connection that we all have with food. Many of us have a very negative emotional connection to food. It can feel like food is the enemy and it can really be like a bad human relationship where you want to break up with certain foods, but you just can't stop thinking about them. And you keep going back, even though you know that they're not good for you, right? Breaking up with unhealthy habits can be just as hard if not harder than breaking up with someone. And I think it's time that we acknowledge that. You know, we see these clips and pictures online of people who have done these amazing transformations, who have gone to the gym every day for a year or more, you know, and they've dieted and literally halved in size. And those people are incredible. 
they make it look easy, but it's not. You know, those people have worked so hard on their mindsets and radically changed their relationship with their food and their bodies. Now, I think it's pretty unusual for someone to not have some sort of emotional attachment to food. It's really how we're all brought up. As kids, if we hurt ourselves, if we're good, if we're quiet, then we're all rewarded with food, often sweets. And even as adults, if we get a promotion, for example, we might go out for dinner to celebrate. If we get bad news, we might sit down for tea and biscuits to comfort ourselves. If we want to say sorry or get well soon or congratulations, we often give chocolates. And that all seems pretty innocent and nice until we think about the less healthy habits. Like if you've had a stressful day or a bad day at work, maybe you come home and you comfort yourself with a bar of chocolate or unwind with a bottle of wine. Those unhealthy coping strategies that we use to numb the pain or to give us a lift, these are the true demons for those who struggle with staying consistent. This unhealthy relationship with food can manifest in a couple of ways. Firstly, using food to make ourselves feel better or to distract ourselves from stress and feelings. And secondly, the guilt and the shame we feel after giving in to cravings or comfort foods. None of it's helpful for your long-term success. And if you want to lose weight without the emotional roller coaster of cravings and comfort eating, guilt, binging, shame, and ultimately failure, then the key place to start is with improving your relationship with food. Of course, that's easier said than done. And just like most things, when it comes to health and weight loss, it's all about consistency. Having a healthy mindset is much like having healthy teeth. You clean your teeth every day to prevent problems and you can get away with skipping the odd day without it being a big issue. But if you consistently forget to clean your teeth, you're going to develop problems. Well, mindset work is the same and working on it consistently is key to maintaining resilience. So what can we do to start loosening this unhealthy attachment to food? Well, it's a complex issue and one that takes a lot of work and sometimes therapy to truly resolve. However, in the Nourish Method, we find that a combination of focusing on nourishing your body instead of depriving it, as well as some simple mindfulness is enough for most clients to improve their relationship with food. So firstly, instead of making a list of the stuff that you can't have or the stuff that you need to cut out when you're trying to lose weight, focus on what you can add in. Focus on the nourishing stuff that you know that you could have more of. Water, berries, protein, fiber, vegetables, healthy fats. Focus on adding in these nourishing foods into your diet and you'll inadvertently crowd out the not so nourishing stuff. Next is to stop using food rewards. If you want to reward yourself or if you want to do something to make yourself feel better, choose something else like getting your nails done or getting a massage, getting a new book, listening to a feel good podcast or audio book getting a new outfit, having a nice long hot bath, 
go for a walk somewhere special like the beach or the forest or whatever makes you feel good. Implementing this is going to help to weaken that bond between food and your emotions. Another important mindset shift to improve your relationship with food is to stop categorizing foods as good or bad. And if you've ever done a diet, you'll have been told that you can have this and you can't have that. And every diet tells you something different, right? Plus, there's constantly news stories about the next food that's going to give you cancer or the next thing that's bad for us in some way or another. And if you put together all the foods that you've ever been told are bad, you probably wouldn't have anything left on your good list. And it's true that different foods do different things in the body, but no food only does good or only does bad in the body. And by calling foods bad, it makes you feel like you're bad when you eat them. And that makes you feel bad about yourself, guilty and shameful. And it's never helpful to feel like that. Feeling guilty about what you've eaten is not serving you. It's not preventing you from doing it again. It just makes you feel like crap. In fact, research has studied this and it's studied willpower. And it's shown that people who feel guilty after eating something they've been told not to eat are more likely to go back and eat more of that food overall compared to someone who's been told that it's okay to eat as much of that food as they like. Calling food bad triggers feelings of guilt and that sabotages your progress. So these tips are a good place to start to improve your relationship with food. So focusing on nourishing yourself, stop using food as rewards and stop calling foods good or bad or fattening or slimming or any other variations of that. Okay, so let's go through a reader's letter. Now, remember, if you'd like me to answer your question on the podcast, please email it to louise at louisedigbynutrition.com with the subject podcast. So let me just pull this up in front of me. So this one says, I have tried so many diets and fads with varying success. I find it really hard due to having polycystic ovaries. I have a couple of pounds, oh sorry, I I can lose a couple of pounds and then no matter how hard I try, it just won't shift, which then starts the cycle of comfort eating and undoing all the hard work I have put in. Would appreciate any tips or advice to overcome this. Okay, so polycystic ovaries or PCOS is a condition where the ovaries develop cysts and it can be quite painful and it can cause heavy bleeding, irregular periods due to disrupted ovulation and it can also result in severely disrupted hormone balance and I think whether or not those listening have PCOS I think you can probably all relate to the struggle of trying really hard and not seeing results and then giving up and comfort eating or binging and then feeling like crap about yourself pretty much what we've been talking about today now with PCOS It's very common to have insulin resistance, which is where your body becomes less sensitive to the effects of insulin, meaning you have to produce more of it. And that's not good because insulin is our fat storage hormone. And I went through that in episode one. Now, those with PCOS, they may have had their blood sugars or their HbA1c tested, and they may have been told that their blood sugars are fine. But those tests aren't perfect. They're not a perfect test for insulin resistance. And you can definitely still have it. And 
it's safe to assume that you probably do have some level of insulin resistance if you have PCOS. And if you're struggling with your weight, there's probably going to be some degree of insulin resistance, whether you have PCOS or not. And taking steps to address insulin resistance is only going to be helpful whether you have it or not. Now, with PCOS, you can also have high testosterone. Now, something that is rarely mentioned is that there's different types of PCOS. And often people who are diagnosed with PCOS aren't actually told what type they have. There's insulin resistance PCOS, which is what I just described, and that affects about 70% of sufferers. Then we've got post-pill PCOS, which develops after coming off of the contraceptive pill. There's adrenal PCOS, and this is caused by an abnormal stress response, and about 10% have this type. And then there's inflammatory PCOS, and this is caused by chronic inflammation, which causes the ovaries to produce too much testosterone. Now, with the right intervention, PCOS is absolutely manageable and even reversible in some cases. How you would go about addressing it will depend on the type that you have, but there are some core themes for all types. So firstly, managing blood sugars. This is a big topic, but to start with, we want to be managing blood sugars because this is going to have an impact on everything. The insulin resistance, inflammation, your sex hormones, your stress response. It's linked in for everything because it's really the core of what we want to do for anyone who is struggling with any problem. So to get started with that, we want to be thinking about minimizing sugar intake and your refined carb intake as well, ensuring you have plenty of protein um, in all of your meals, by the way, not just in your dinner, and lots of fiber as well. Those are some of the basic steps of balancing your blood sugars. Next, we want to make sure that you're staying active. So strength training is particularly helpful for lowering your insulin levels. Sometimes doing too much cardio can be counterintuitive because it can drive up your stress hormone levels, which as we've just discussed, isn't helpful. So switching up some of your cardio for strength training can be really helpful. And then you might want to consider some supplements, supplementing magnesium, inositol, Um, And if you're not taking any medications, then berberine, these are all really helpful for managing blood sugars and uh, magnesium is particularly helpful for managing your stress response and, you know, calming your nervous system down. And there is so much more than that that can be done, but the specifics would vary depending on each individual. Now, Another thing I want to say here is that we see women with this problem of not being able to lose weight despite trying really hard all the time. And the vast majority do not have PCOS. And it's understandable to blame the PCOS, but that might not be the problem or it might not be the only problem. It's definitely a symptom of PCOS, having weight loss resistance or difficulty losing weight. But Just because you have PCOS doesn't mean that it's something that's definitely going to stop you from losing weight or it doesn't mean that it's an obstacle that you can't overcome. And there could be other imbalances going on that might be contributing to your stubborn weight. Whatever the cause of stubborn weight is, please don't see PCOS as a complete barrier to weight loss because it really isn't with the right intervention. 
Okay, so now it's time for my favorite thing that I've learned this week. And this is the theory that protein deficiency drives overeating. Now, my clients will know that I bang on about eating protein constantly, and we're well aware how important protein is for filling us up and preventing cravings and supporting hormone balance and much more. But the interesting development is that an actual deficiency of protein is causing us to eat more calories overall. Over the past few decades, there has been a shift towards super processed foods becoming a bigger part of people's diets. And despite these super processed foods being very high in calories, we're eating more calories overall than we used to. We're eating more food overall than we used to. And super processed foods are high in carbs and fats and very low in protein. And we as humans have a very real need and demand for protein. So we're having to eat more overall to meet that protein requirement. And remember my fact from the first episode about plants becoming lower in protein and higher in carbs due to global warming. Well, factoring this in as well, it's no wonder that it's so difficult for us to control our appetites. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't eat super processed food. Well, do you ever eat cereals, biscuits, gluten-free products, like the stuff from the free from section in the supermarket, ketchup and other condiments, packaged soups, breads, soft drinks? When ingredients like sugar and salt and oil or other preservatives are added to a product, it becomes a processed food. When the food also goes through multiple processes like milling and molding or heat processing, it becomes super processed or ultra processed. And it's not that we can never have these things, but we need to choose alternatives when we can. And more importantly, ensure that we're eating enough protein to as a top priority to ensure that we are meeting our body's needs and also to help us to control our appetite and cravings. If you feel like you don't know where to turn or what to do to start feeling better in yourself and reignite your spark, then we're here to help. We offer a free no pressure discovery call so that you can chat with our team and work out what the best next steps are for your health journey, whether that's to work with us or not. The Nourish Method is a personalized transformational program where we use laboratory testing, one-to-one consultancy, and mindset coaching to help you find the most direct route to your goals without you giving up all of your favorite foods. And if you're a good fit, then we'll walk you through what that could look like for you. To book a call, visit louisedigbynutrition.click forward slash discovery, and you'll be able to find that link in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to talk to me about anything that I've discussed in this episode, you can reach me on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Louise Digby Nutrition. Or you can email me with your reader's letter by emailing louise at louisedigbynutrition.com with the subject line podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please head to Apple Podcasts where or wherever you get your podcasts and click follow and leave a review. And I'll see you next time.